Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley. I am joined here with the bald, beautiful, and um, maybe a little cantankerous today. We'll see. Uh, Don Winsberger, as we have an opportunity to to once again explore the wonder and the grace that God has given us in life. Before we jump on into our topic and I turn everything over to Don to help lead us in our topic for today, I'd like to give our brief disclaimer that everything we say here are our just our ramblings, our thoughts. Uh, we are two pastors who have a great time talking together about life, liberty, um, and I'm not going to say the pursuit of happiness, but I'm going to say the freedom God gives to us in his grace. And so they don't always reflect um, the opinions of our called church bodies. We will try to keep to the confessions of our Lord and to the confessions of our church, uh, the doctrinal statements that we have, uh, but they're not always going to be the opinions of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. And so if you don't like what we have to say, just turn us off. There is always the mute button. There's the pause button. There's uh, the little X on the top of the screen. You can always shut it down. And um, if you'd like to call, uh, call, talk, email, have a conversation with us, we'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you about any of these topics. So with that disclaimer, Don, take it away. I was going to introduce myself as uh, as the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod president, but that would actually be kind of... Uh, uh, let's put it this way, very, very, very perplexing. Um, because if I was Synod president, that would almost be, I'd, I'd be the Kamala Harris to the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Now, with that being said, and I say that in jest, um, uh, Pastor Winsberger and Pastor Harley do not support any political party. Um, anyway, I want to share with you uh, what we're going to be looking at. Our next few podcasts, we're going to be having a discussion over the book of Daniel. I would like to quote to you one of my favorite phrases from the wisest man, uh, human being who ever lived, second only to Jesus. Thank you. Thank King you for, for acknowledging me. I appreciate uh, that. Uh, <laughs> King, uh, King Solomon. Um, I think he was a lot better looking than you are, although I don't know for sure. Um but uh, King Solomon says this in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. And as I look at the, at the current events and the things that have been transpiring and, and, and things that people think are going to transpire, uh, I can't help but think of King Solomon's words, there is nothing new under the sun. And uh, keeping that in mind, I think the book of Daniel is going to be a wonderful guide, a wonderful inspiration, a wonderful uh, source of comfort for us to look at as we look at God's people and the challenges and uh, uh, the, the challenges and the difficulties that he gives uh, us as his people to face. Um, kind of got inspired by this. Uh, uh, once again, as we don't endorse any political party, I am not endorsing a particular church body by this, but I had been listening this all to uh, the Lutheran Hour Ministries uh, uh, broadcasts of sermons on Sundays. Uh, Pastor Mike Ziegler did a wonderful series of sermons slash Bible study on the book of Daniel. Uh, I think there's just so much inspiration, so much comfort, and so much help for us as God's people as we look at the days ahead of us. And that's kind of why I wanted to look at the book of Daniel. All right. Well, then let's get on into it, and we'll have some music to transition us. 
All right. Well, welcome back as we gather and, and take our first steps into the book of Daniel. Probably before we start, our listeners might want to have a little bit of uh, uh, background on who Daniel is, where it's found, why is it in the scriptures, um, you know, kind of maybe it's historical placement. What do you think? I think that's a good idea to, uh, to at least give us a little bit of perspective on that. Uh, the, the Daniel lived during a time of the prophets where actually, if this, uh, if this helps some of our listeners, um, where his, his contemporaries, his contemporary prophets during this time were, um, actually he came, actually came between the time Ezekiel was before him. We have Haggai and Zechariah after him. Um, Joel and Obadiah maybe even come into into play here. This is time after Isaiah, after um, after Elisha and Elijah and all those prophets were looking at a time uh, around um, around in the six hundreds in the in the in the six hundreds BC. Um, Daniel, uh, what is, what's happened up into up up to this point so time in time? We've seen the disappearance of the northern kingdoms. They have been carried off into captivity by Assyria, and now we find a transition period here, where now Assyria has come in. It has made uh, the two southern tribes of the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, have really. Assyria has made them a vassal state. Um, they have a battle with uh, Egypt, the two world powers at that time. Assyria wins. Actually, that's actually with Babylon. But you have a, you actually have King, ne- King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and we're just to the point to where there's going to be the 70-year captivity here, where... where uh, where they're going to be in Babylon. There are still people that are left in Israel. Uh, Daniel is among the first that are taken off, the first of the brightest and the best of, of, Judah's, of Judah's people. Yeah, we might want to make just like um, uh, just a, a quick reference also to, um, during this time we have three world powers that are, are kind of playing havoc in, in the world. Um, right now, uh, as as uh, Don said, Assyria is is kind of waning. Um, about oh maybe ten twelve years just before this, Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria, was conquered by Babylon. So Babylon is starting to make its 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 change in the world power structure. And in reference to that, because uh, because Israel was a or I should say Judah was a vassal state. Of, of Assyria, they're now scrambling to try to find someone to, to sort of help buffer them and, and keep them safe from Babylon coming down. And so they, they kind of make their headway um, and they turn their, their ways towards Egypt again. And they said, hey, can we, can we team up with Egypt? And, and the battle that takes place that changes this entire demographic is, is um, uh, the Battle of Carchemish, and that is is what around six six oh six oh eight, something like that. Yeah, something right, yeah. like that. Um, you have the Battle of Carchemish, where where Pharaoh Nico, 
um, is utterly defeated and, and he's done. Um, and it's at that time when Babylon is coming back through, they, they're going back up through uh, Jerusalem area, the, the Judea area, that they take out what, what is called the first dispersion, this first group of people. They do that three times, don't they? If I remember yeah. correctly, yeah. The first time it's the the best and brightest of the of the nobility. The second time is the like the the merchants, the 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 you know the crafters, the people that are able to do something. Then the third is all the rest. And and uh, during this time, one of the contemporaries, which I was waiting for you to 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 mention, because I think that he's an important contemporary, Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah is a huge contemporary in here, and and Jeremiah is not taken probably because he's in a cistern at the time. <laughs> but but you know Jeremiah is 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 not taken. He actually will eventually stand outside of the gates with the Babylonians as they go in, and he watches um, the Babylonians burn the temple down. Um, and he laments over those things. So Jeremiah is this contemporary hit, stays in the Holy Land, uh, and and Daniel is taken with the best and the brightest, and they go to Babylon. Ezekiel is floating somewhere in between here, right? Because doesn't Ezekiel mem- uh, mention how he saw the Spirit of the Lord leave the temple and turn towards Babylon um, to, to head off with his people, uh, as God goes with his people? So he's somewhere in the mixed, uh, in, in the midst of all of that. Um so we have a, so we have a, a little bit of a time frame of of a changing governmental structure, which is I think you have you have uh, uh, you have a lot of you have political upheaval here. You have political uncertainty. You have uh, you have you have uh, I can't even imagine what's going through the thoughts of the people as they look here. What's going to happen? And does God still love us? How can He let this happen to us? And also hearing from Jeremiah, hearing from Isaiah, who began these prophecies a century before, telling them, and all this stuff now is being carried out before their eyes, this is judgment. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and so, but all through all of this, this is, the, this is the key thing, because you see this being carried out right now. There are two tribes left, the remnant the remnant of God being faithful to his promise to send the offspring of David who is going to rule on the throne forever. And so you have this gospel promise that's before them and uh, and an assurance that there is going to be a victory. But And so you're, you're looking at a bunch of God, a lot of God's people here looking at what is his plan for us and what are we to do here? And there are just the book, as we go through the book of Daniel, there are so many things here where we see God's hand at work, furthering his kingdom, his purposes, and, 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 re, and, and building his church. Yeah, I, I think some people might say, you know, um, I, I would say a couple of things. The book of Daniel has an apocalyptic feel to it. Um, as we we, we kind of look in many many uh, visions of what is going to happen at the end, right? Visions of of things that are going to happen in the future. Uh, so very apoc- apocalyptic feel. But I think sometimes some people can get the misunderstanding that that the book of Daniel is just a book of sustaining. That God is just trying to sustain the hope of His people. But it, it's really not. It, it's it's really growing the confidence 
in 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 the Lord's people that they exist outside of their framework, right? Yes. Uh, and I think that's a really Ooh. important takeaway. Talk about a lesson we need today. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that God's people, that we as God's people, those in faith, exist outside of the framework of which we thought we had or thought we had to work within. Um, now, it, you, you brought up some of the wailing and the questions, and there's, it's true, and we're going to see that through the pages of, of Daniel, that they don't have, they don't have a temple to worship in. They, they don't have sacrifices that they can continue to give. Um, and, and so God forces them to look ahead to the promised Messiah, right? The ultimate sacrifice for sin. Um, they're not going to have, uh, they're going to be restricted on, on how they can pray and where they can pray um, and what they can pray to. And, and we're going to see faith stand up under those restrictions and God preserving his people through it. Um, and, and then I think also, um, one of the things that we fail to realize is we're also going to see success, right? Um, that that's going to, to happen during this time, um, that, that we're going to see successful things going on. Um, book of Esther, right? Uh, um, in this time period as well, uh, where, where we're going to have, um, the success of God's people, even though, um, people are going to want to mistreat them. God is still going to place people in positions to preserve them. Um, and, and so you see this wonderful news going on in this book of Daniel. You know, involving our listeners here a little bit, just involving them in the thought process. Most, and I don't want to, and since we don't have them here to question, I'm going to make an assumption and, and, and so forth. But I, I make the assumption that most people, when they think of the book of Daniel, they think of maybe three things in the book of Daniel at the most, and we will be dealing with them too, but there's so much more. Um, first, you'll be thinking of the three men in the fiery furnace. Oh, sure. Okay. Meshach, Shadrach, and the bed we go. Yep. And then, and we'll be talking, and actually we'll be starting talking out about, because actually chapter one introduces those gentlemen to us. Yep. Uh, then you have uh, Daniel and the lion's den. And yeah. that's another one that is remembered. And then, actually, the third one, maybe that doesn't stick out in a lot of people's mind, but it sticks out in mine. It's with King ne- Nebuchadnezzar and the writing on the wall. That was actually his son, wasn't it? Um, the, where the handwriting is on the wall? Um, um, yeah, I want to say that's it, his son. And uh, you, have, you, have, you have those... Those are the ones that I remember from Bible history and Sunday school. You'll find in your Sunday school books. There is so much more. Um, there is so much more to the book of Daniel, and uh, and you know, really leading into chapter one, um, we have uh, uh, Daniel and uh, and three men. Um, Daniel. Uh, it's kind of interesting to notice that Daniel's name in the Hebrew means "God is my judge." Uh, Really, I thought when I, I just happened to be thinking about this recently in the past couple of days, um, uh, you see it a little bit. You don't see it as much anymore, but you hear people are actually living this, and it's not in the way that 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 it's not in the intention that Daniel was named. But you know, a lot of people were wearing shirts um, as our as our country really changed into more postmodern thought at the turn of the century. Um, um, 
God is my judge, meaning no one else can judge me. This is something that I have often heard, you know, don't judge me. And that, and I think about that with the name of Daniel and then how, uh, you know, uh, then you have the three other men that are with him, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. They were all given different names as they were taken off into captivity. Most likely, um, in fact, one of the historians, Josephus, Scripture doesn't tell us this, that these these four men were probably, he were, were most likely royal. They, they were from the royal line somehow. We're not told how, but and, and Scripture doesn't tell us, but Josephus seems to suggest that. And then that first wave, it seems to be th- that the best of society did come from royalty. But anyway, that's, but then you have, you have these three men, uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar changes their names. You got David, his name is changed, named to Belshazzar. Um, and then you have the other three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, and it's really how in, uh, in, in Jewish life, your name, these names, especially these men had such beautiful spiritual and scriptural meaning. And it's interesting to see that the, that the king takes those tries to take those identities away from them and gives them different names. And even Daniel's, he instead of God, Elohim is my judge, but his name is Belshazzar, and he's given the name. Part of his name is the is the um, is the Babylonian god. Well, and there's some there's some speculation, right? That that the the name changes that were given to them were 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 in reference to every one of them in reference to the different deities of Babylon yes. um which which it kind of I find interesting in the very first verses of of Daniel that you have that play of of the secular against the spiritual right um because you have the in, in the original names of of the the four men you have have the the IAH at the end which is signifying of of uh Yahweh um, and linking it back to the to Jehovah, um, you have you have the L linking back to the God of of power, right? And 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 their names have, like you said, those rich spiritual meanings, which is typical in Hebrew. And and the juxtaposition of that is is in the very first ch- uh, verses of Daniel, he he highlights how Nebuchadnezzar brings them to the temple or the house of his God. And, and brings the vessels that they stole from the temple of the Lord to the house of his God. Then he takes the people who have been dedicated to the work of, of the, the Hebrew God, and he renames them to be dedicated to the gods that he serves. Um, and, and there's like this, this continual effort to right, remove from the church, to take away from the church, to remove from God's people, to, to somehow lower and debase God in some way, shape, or form. And you see that let's, in the very let's first. Just, let's just back it up 10 yards from that, okay? We got these three men and their names. Let's also fill in a little bit of the background here for our people. These were young men. Um, we're not given their exact age, but these men were probably at this time in chapter one, at the beginning with the first wave of people being taken, were teenagers, okay? These were young men. Yes, they were considered to be adults in in Jewish society, but when we make comparisons to our society today, these were very young men. We would consider them to be children in right. our society. 
But these are also uh, men that are, are well learned. These are not these yeah, are these aren't well the foolish learned. guys. Um, and and I it, it makes brings up a point to me. I'm going to give a little bit of a um, and if my if my brother in law or any of my family members, my direct relative blood relatives are listening, um, I apologize this, but it's stuff we're all talking about right now. Um, I've got nieces and nephews that have gone through the Lutheran Elementary School. Uh, process. Uh, all of them very good, solid members of their congregations, active members of their congregations, very vocal about their faith. Uh, it's just so good to see that. And as we look in our society today, at, and again, as uh, not only as, as, as some subtle persecution against Christianity and speaking out about your beliefs has come out, and then we have fears about maybe more intense is coming our way. I hear my brother-in-law telling his kids, "Going, you're too vocal on your faith. You're going to attract attention. Be quiet." And this was, uh, and so again, the trans- transition to Daniel and to these other three young men, they did not. They did not shy back. They actually took stands that God blessed. Yeah, but I, I, I think, and that's an awesome conversation to have because I, I, I think um, you do see that they are not shy in their faith, but they're not belligerent in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's a difference. I, I think there's a difference between living your faith and saying there's there's there are places I cannot give up. Um, I cannot give up ground in these areas and standing politely and yet firmly on those grounds and areas of where you are just being belligerent for the sake of being belligerent. Give us, give us Daniel, the, the, Daniel and these three men's example with that here from chapter one. Well, I Tell mean, us about that. in chapter one, I mean, one of the things that, that we see in chapter one is, is the debasement really of, of um, Nebuchadnezzar's attempt to re-educate um, these Hebrews into the into the, the the Chaldean trades and Chaldean lifestyle. So one of the things they do is they give them what's called special food, um, and, and it's the idea of uh, from the king's table. And and this idea is this is food that has been designated and consecrated for pagan worship. It it it's got a flavor of of probably some some pagan worship practices and how it was prepared. Um, not only that, but it it's food that is is strictly forbidden by Jewish diets. Um, and, and so this is stuff that, that uh, any God-fearing Jew would look at and say, I, I, can't, I can't do this. And, and we see here with, with David and Meshad, Shadrach, and Abednego, uh, or their, their Hebrew names, Hananiah, Mishael, uh, and Azariah, um, they, they make this commitment. And I love how the, the scriptures say, because um, Daniel kind of takes the lead in it, and he says, he made up his mind. And that almost brings in the aspect that he was debating it in his head. Is this the place that I'm going to take my stand? You know, after everything that's been happening, after all the stuff they're causing me to do, after all the learning, like I could have said at any point, I'm not going to learn your language. I'm not going to learn your history. I'm not going to do this. He decided, nope, I'm going to learn their history. I'm going to learn their language. I'm going to involve myself. I don't have to believe it, but I'm going to learn it. And he made his stand when it came to the things I'm going to put in my body that God has forbidden for me to put into my body, I'm going to make my stand here. And I'm not going to participate in that. 
Um, and, and so he does, and he, he does it very politely, um, which I think is amazing. He goes and he, he requests from the guard that's ahead of them, right? He says, can I, out of, out of safety for my body and for my beliefs, not eat this food? And I, I think it's kind of interesting that you see God enter into the picture, right? At that moment. Um, because all of a sudden the and it's very simply says as he went out to do this, um, we're we're told that God made the chief of the officials favorable. He he you know almost to the sense of he probably didn't want to be. <laughs> In fact, he brings up that excuse: "I'm afraid of the king, who who if he sees you emaciated and and not um, as healthy as all the rest, he's gonna he's gonna come back at me." And, and so Daniel, notice Daniel doesn't become belligerent and say, well, you know, suck it up and grow a set. Um, well, he's a eunuch, so he, he, he kind of had that removed. So, <laughs> so the, the guard wouldn't be able to do that. But, but notice Daniel doesn't confront him. He says, let's, let's just have a wager. Give me 10 days. You know, let's give me, he, he has faith that this is the right thing to do. And he's, he doesn't, he doesn't, isn't belligerent about it. He isn't just let me do what I want to do and let me believe what I want to believe. He, he's very, let's, let's have a, let's have a experiment and, and let's do this. And, and if it's, if we're wrong, then we will follow your rules. Right. And, but if we're right, kind of let us, let us do it. And some people might have, because I, I, I in some, in some of the audience coming from the direction that, that, that I live in out here have some, uh, uh, have some members that actually have some some family members that uh, belong to a denomination of Christianity that believes the Old Testament uh, that the Old Testament uh, uh, the Old Testament dietary laws are still in effect for Christians today, and they might have the question why why isn't this something that's important today? Really, we have to just I wanted to put this in into perspective and make this point. The dietary laws were to, at that time, before the coming of Christ, were to separate God's people as lights to the world, to separate them from their, from, from, from the, from the rest of the unbelieving nations. And so this is something that is even more intense in these young men's beliefs as they are God's chosen people, believers, lights to the Gentiles, living now in the midst of the Gentiles. And so if they had clammed up on this, this was really going to be a major compromise on their testimony. And I would, I would just piggyback off of that. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly in the dietary laws of God's people, um, that, that these are, these were very important to them, but I I would beg, and I, the commentaries I've read, this is not the first time I've gone through Daniel, and, and the commentaries I've read, and I'm sure you have as well, always focus on those dietary laws of, of, the, of the Jewish people as being the leading factor in why Daniel did what he did. And I would politely differ from that opinion. Um, and I'm not saying they're wrong, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I would differ from that opinion in saying, I think the the... The, the driving focus that made Daniel take his stand where he took his stand was the special food the king gave. Because that was, that was the king's food. It's very clear. It's the king's food. And the king was treated as, as not just royalty, but divine in, 
in these cultures, and in, in, especially in Babylon, this was the king was like the son of the gods, right? Yep. And so the food that was prepared for them was was food prepared as a worship sacrifice. It was not prepared as okay. Let's just go to the butcher, cut it, and and fry it up real nice. It was it was prepared as a worship to the king as a form of worship. And and I honestly believe that the point is not to focus on okay dietary over uh, you know the dietary requirements of the Hebrews, but more to focus on he chose a set of food that removed the aspect of preparation. It, I will. I will. I, I think that is is plausible. Then when and I, I think that's very plausible. But here's a question that came into my mind as I was preparing for this. And I don't disagree with you either. How, and again, we're looking at Old Testament and we're looking at New Testament. I'm going to bring up, I'm going to bring up the people in Corinth who were struck. There were some who, who, that what, you know, with the meat sacrifice to idols in Corinth. What is the difference between Corinth and Babylon? I don't think there was any. I think you have that meat that is that was prepared under or, or with the intention of a sacrifice. Um, but I think what you have... Uh, what's the difference in the results, I'm saying? Because Paul was... Paul, because Paul told, told the Corinthian Christians, all right, if eating meat sacrificed to idols bothers your conscience, by, by, by all means, do not eat it. But do not burden somebody out because we know that an idol is not anything. I think the difference is this. The difference is um, we have a conquering army who is living under the re, uh, under the false assumption that because they conquered Israel, they believe they conquered Israel's God. And and so I, I think the sh- there's a there's a dynamic shift between between what we see in Babylon in this instance and what, what we see we'll later on and see in Corinth. In Corinth, it's it's Christian people who haven't been conquered, and they're going out to the market and they're buying this meat, which they know has been prepared for other people to use in different well, things. But here... If Jesus, if Jesus, Jesus has already come and he fulfilled the Old Testament laws, these laws were not fulfilled yet. Right. But I also think, like I said, you know, you're you're dealing with, you're, and this is why the, I think that first couple of verses are, are an important lead up. You're dealing with a man, Nebuchadnezzar, whose sole purpose is to strip, um, strip faith, strip strip uh, what he considers a losing god out of the minds of these people that he has captured, that he's taken into captivity. And, and I think that's that is an important thrust for us in this in this entirety. God is showing Himself to be God of His people, even outside of Israel, because because honestly, Nebuchadnezzar and the, the whole Babylon culture thought we went over, we conquered Israel. Their God must be nothing, because we conquered them, um, and, and so we trample on them, we trample on their culture, we trample on their God, and 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 now they must assimilate into ours and worship us. And worship our our gods because our gods are better. And it's also I just happened because I was I was something I wanted to bring up, and maybe nobody's ever heard about this before. Um, 30, 34 years ago, when I was a vicar and intern pastor, 
uh, we, the congregation I served at, we went to a non-denominational um, Sunday school, um, kind of like a Sunday school convention in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, remember, we had heard a presentation from one of the presenters. He presented on the book of Daniel. Um, and as he was talking about chapter one here, he tried turning Daniel's chap, Daniel chapter one into a divine cookbook, recipe book. Um, and it's amazing out there. You can find this stuff on Barnes and Nobles and in different reformed, reformed uh, Christian bookstores where they'll actually, they'll, they'll pull stuff out of this and, and be where, uh, with, a, with in, in, in a way, making new Christian or subtle, covert Christian dietary laws. Well, and I, and I think that's, if we move it away from the dietary laws of the Jewish people and we frame it in the idea of these are two competing religious views going up against each other, and, and, and one culture is trying to say their God is the right God, and, and then you have the conquered culture that is saying, no, whether we are conquered or not, our Lord is still the Lord. Um, I think that's really where this battle is being fought. And, and I think there's, there's, there's telltale signs within the world today, right? Telltale signs of, of this clash coming, where, where what we felt to be Christianity permeating the nation, we've, we've kind of been had the rug ripped out from under us, and, and there's a realization it's not. And so the question that's going to come on every Christian's mind is, is God still God? Is the Lord still Lord? Is 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 everything still in His control and His purview? And as we we're going to see through Daniel, the answer is yes, absolutely yes. Um, and what we're going to see in our future is yes, absolutely yes. Um, and, and we may be asked to do things that are going to are going to force us to take that stand and say, on 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 a religious ground, and let's move it away from a legalistic round on, on a grace out of pure grace. I can't do this um, because of God's grace to me. Um, and that's Daniel that that's Daniel in a T I, I cannot participate in anything that would be remotely be worshiping someone other than my God. And, and I won't. And I think that's, and I don't think I know. Thank you. Thank you for, for making that clarification because, because there are so many different interpretations of this um, that I have heard and and all of them all of them lead to I, for lack of a better a better explanation lead to to silly things to silly things that do not center around the gospel but usually lead to law motivated type of things and I don't think I, I don't see and, and 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 I just and maybe it's my flowery outlook but I just don't see Daniel being legalistically motivated in this. I, I think this is gospel motivation. Um, I, I'm and I wasn't hinting that, that was being legal, but we have to remember, too, that living out the dietary laws, which were ceremonial, that actually was, a, that was a, a, again, actually a testimony in being a light to the world. God gave those to make the people stand out. It was to be a testimony, um, and so really, there is gospel. There is gospel involved with that. Right. Um, you but know, I, sometimes I think 
sometimes I think too that you know I, I, I think it's important for you to realize just to bring in just a, a smidge of church history here here between the time of Daniel and 600 years later to the time of Jesus we've got about four centuries that'll transpire where legalism gets really bad especially with the dietary laws. And so we have a tendency to think about that all of that legalism and pharisaical stuff that's at the time of Jesus, not all of that stuff was present yet at the time of Daniel. Right. And and I and I agree with you wholeheartedly and I understand what you're saying about the the dietary things were were an example of grace that God has given them the freedom to engage in this way with food and things for the betterment of the people. But I, again, and I just want to make the clarification to our listeners, the, the conversation about the dietary laws is a is an implement, implementation that that theologians have placed to try to explain the very simple thing that the Lord provides for us by the Spirit, which is Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with special food of the king or of the wine that he drank. That is all the Spirit gives us. And how often isn't the term defile, you bring up that word, and I, and I apologize to our listeners for maybe not uh, looking this up in the Hebrew, but to the best of my recollection, when that term defile, uh, that, 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 that term defile is used in, in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, it is always used in a spiritual connotation. To give um, over to idolatry. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah. So you have you. So I'm not I'm not the conversation is I find it fascinating to talk about, you know, how this or how that or what was in the background. But I think the ultimate background for Daniel was and his and and maybe this is good for us into the future, too, because we're trying to make these connections. It He found that his biggest problem wasn't in what they were teaching him, what they were supposed to be learning, what they were supposed whatever. The biggest problem was simply. Um, he refused to defile himself by giving himself over to an idolatrous act. Uh, so, I mean, he was learning their language. That wasn't idolatry. He was learning their history. That wasn't idolatry. Ah, now we've crossed this, we've crossed this threshold. This one is idolatry and I can't do it. Let's bring this into a contemporary situation. Um, a reason I say this is just because, uh, Oh, here now with uh, uh, just in the past year and stuff with COVID and everything. And it just, it's, it's in with uh, sheltering in place for a lot of people and stuff. Even when my wife and I were doing it, a lot of things, you get all oh, stuff that's on uh, TV and on network TV and cable and all that stuff. There's just nothing decent to watch pulling stuff up on Netflix or anyway, to get to my point, we happen. And I, you probably have seen this movie. We watched the movie. God is not dead. I remember I'd seen that in the theater because my high school kids from church had been going to see that, watched that again. My wife hadn't seen it before. Actually, it's quite an an entertaining and a thought-provoking movie. I clearly do not uh, 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 sanction uh, all of the the theology in that movie. Um, But I often find this just to break, because that movie makes me think about this and with Daniel and his education. How many of our young people, Christian young people, going to public universities today, um, they, when when they, they, their faith is being challenged, and 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 I look at uh, Christians across the denominations 
looking at how do I handle these things um, and, uh, and, and how do I handle this with my professor? And I think in some of these things, some of our young people will see a, a, a similar Daniel-like situation where what can I go and learn and not have to believe it? And then when is the time to speak up and make an issue of it? Because it, it because not to would compromise faith and testimony about the Lord. Yeah, and and we see a good example, a very clear cut example for Daniel. And unfortunately, those are not always clear cut for us when we're placed in those positions, right? You know, I think about that movie with the with the young man, and again, he was, and again, this is fiction. Um. Fiction that's based on a lot of things that does that do go on today. If you want to call it religious science fiction, let's call it that. Okay, um, but anyway, for lack of a better term, but I look at that young man in the movie, and if there were things that I asked myself: Did he bite off more than he had to because of legalist motivation? Yeah, and, and I guess that's you know. Um, coming and knowing where that movie comes from, I would say yes. <laughs> knowing the background for that, where that movie comes from, I would say yes. Um, but but that's really going to be the ultimate question, and that, and that's the question that that his that that Christianity has been trying to answer throughout his history. You know, the the Pietistic movement was was just another legalistic way for us to 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 reinforce who we were. Um, you know, the Pharisees and, and what they did, legalistic ways to reinforce who they were. And, and really what does God, what does God give us? And, and what does Christ say to us is by their actions, you will know them. And, and these are the gospel actions, right? Because I love you, you will love. Um, and so it's finding the areas where even when you have to take a stand, you do so politely and, and I, and, and you do so out of respect um, you, you don't make an ostentation of yourself. You don't make an you know, argument of it. You know what's the dis- disappointing part of that movie, and this is just my critique of it, was the very end. Um, Kevin Sorbo, who is the unbelieving, um, prof- the unbelieving professor, as he, dies there on, uh, as he dies there on the street after being hit by that bus, um, pretty much you're left the impression that he died faithless. Right. And so my point is, at least with the movie, is all this stuff, and again, once again, as Lutherans and biblical biblical Christians, we believe faith is a matter of the Spirit. But my thought, and again, coming from where the, the, the theological background that this movie was produced in, it shouldn't have surprised me that all of the hype was put up on what the testifiers were doing instead of what the, 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 the one hearing, what happened to the one hearing, if it makes any sense. Oh, I agree. And, and so let's, so let's, you know, in the, the time that we have remaining here, um, and we don't maybe have to sp- say so much about it. I mean, but let's maybe round out chapter one. What was the result of this testimony of Daniel? God blessed these men, you know, all, all three of them. You know, first, they, they were healthier and appeared and appeared healthier than all the rest. Um, you know, it's one of those it's, it's one of those things and a reminder for us. Why are we why am I so dang surprised at it that when I do or that when I 
actually listen to God, okay, he tells me something and I actually obey what he does, that that worked out pretty good. Well, and I would even go a step, a, just a step beyond that. It's not just the legalistic idea of I obeyed what he did, what he told me to, but out of love, I lived the life he's given me to live. Um, yes. That that when I embrace what he has given back to me to to do within my realm of vocation, and let's use that big word vocation, um, things work out, and and that's what you see with Daniel. Um, he's placed in this position. He thrives in this position, and and he's rewarded for it right um he's they're they're all three all four of these guys are 10 times better than the rest um because of the blessings of their lord um they are put into positions where where the lord is now going to be acknowledged for who he is and what he does with his people um because of uh, of how God is going to use these vocational callings of these these kids, and not wanting to look too far ahead, but we are going to get we are going to get because of what happened here, maybe a taste of for what's to come. Um, and we got Nebuchadnezzar's dream coming up next, um, and so forth. And you got with the temple, but coming up in the next couple of chapters, uh, these young men. They start facing persecution of different kinds. And looking at Daniel as a whole and what's starting out right here, a lot of this persecution comes because these people, their contemporaries, these other young men being trained with them and that actually go into government, they see this success and 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 uh, jealousy and hatred and spite because of that creeps up and leads to persecution but also to more blessing and protection from God. And and I think one of those things that, as you say, leads to more persecution, what it really leads to is, is it's going to force Daniel into those difficult situations where he's going to have to live one way or the other. Um, and that's what causes the persecution, is, is he's, forced to, he's forced to either live for the Lord or he is forced to give up on everything the Lord has blessed him with. Um, and, 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 and that's what makes Daniel such a great book because good, bad, and different, whatever the next day is going to be or four years or 10 days from now, 100 days from now, four years from now is going to be, however the world is going to change is, as I, I believe we get more liberal and liberal because our sinful natures are, are allowed to have more and more free reign. We are going to be put into positions where we're doing what is right through grace or, or by grace through faith is going to put a target on us and it's going to be purposely done to put a target on us and seeing how Daniel continues to in prayer in, in, in the Lord walk through that is a good lesson for us. And, and I, and I think that does bring up near the end of the, the, the first chapter, right? And, and maybe a good thing for us to, to, to comment on before we, we we end our episode today is this was not just a short-term thing for him. He did this for 69 years. I, I, he, and he, he, he didn't leave and he didn't quit. And, and, he, and he, was, 
He was in the he was in the court of the king sixty nine years. That's, uh, you know, they were in captivity for seventy. You know, you talk about somebody who who God placed in a position to do a job for His people. He was that. I mean, that's that's kind of amazing. Yeah. That that is kind of an amazing oh. deal. It's humbling. I just before I came over here, I was talking with my sister on the telephone, and of course, whenever and, and you know, my like like all of us have a lot of concerns about what's going on and what could possibly be coming. And I told her, I said, you know what? And I said, and she always loves it when I remind her that we are approaching our sixth decade of of existence. And uh, I said, you know what? I said we've lived this long, and I said uh, we have, and I said. Uh, people our age, we have had it really easy as Christians for, for our whole life. Um, and I said, and the majority of Christians in the last 2000 years have not had that privilege. Yeah. And I said, we, and I said, we very well may be, um, be led to led by our Lord to live a life that most of our, uh, that most of our uh, most of the sainted people before us um, had to live, and that many of our many people in the world are living today in other parts of the world. Absolutely, and 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 just take the life of just in that last uh, verse of of chapter one of Daniel to to sort of bring it back. Um, you see that he lives through another transition of government, and that's that's profound. He lived through not only the transition from his comfortable government to a, a, a an invading force, but he lived through another one. <laughs> and 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 how how profound and humbling is it that guess who still remains? The Lord. The Lord still remains. His people still remain. And then one of the things, dear dear listeners, as uh, you're reading through and studying this book together with us. Um, and, and uh, I, you know, it's been a while since I've read through the entire book of Daniel, and that's something that I plan on doing before we even get to the end. Once I plan on doing again, once again, before we get to the end of our, our, our podcast. Um, I do not recall da- Daniel complaining about his lot. Not once, and I, I remember... Um, we don't hear, we don't hear, uh, even the shadow, at least I don't remember hearing, recall hearing a, a shadow of lament, like one of his partial contemporaries, Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping, the lamenting prophet. Yeah. Daniel, um, Daniel kind of just puts his head down and, and, and does what he needs to do, doesn't he? And, uh, once, and once, once again, uh, uh, where, where, and again, that was a faith fueled, um, fueled by the promises of God centered in Christ Jesus. Um, Absolutely. You know, as, as we, as we trudge our way wonderfully and pleasantly through this book, we're going to see some, uh, Daniel facing some very severe tests. Um, and, uh, uh, but yet again, uh, facing severe tests, but uh, uh, again, experiencing 
myriad blessings from the Lord. You know, I always I always find it interesting, um, and and maybe this is something that we can we can go into the next show about and talk about. Um, we have a lot of occurrences of what happens in these sixty nine years of of David's seventy years of David's um, life in this particular realm, and we have a very a couple of really intense highlights, right, of of major things that happen. But that's that wasn't his whole life. His whole life wasn't under that strain. And I think this is this is maybe where I would like to end our show today um, because it's going to be a good segue into next week. Um, God doesn't put us under pressure constantly as if, yeah. as if this is how life is going to be from now on forever and ever and ever. There are going to be high points that are so wonderful and joyous and so great that we won't know how to explain the joys that we have and the benefits that we have been given. And there are going to be times where God is going to allow, like he did for Job, testing to come to prove a point to the world, to Satan, to whoever, that we are strong in him. Um, and, and, and he's going to prove that point. And, and those are going to be those times where, where those things are going to happen. And, and we got to remember that, and they're not going to be forever. They aren't. And, 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 and God's grace is always there and good things are always going to be in the wings for us. Cause that is God's promise, right? Yep. To do what is best. I can't think of a better way to transition because, uh, that is, that, that explains, that explains the lives of all of God's people. There are highs, there are lows. While there are highs, there are lows. There's one constant, and it's God who doesn't change. And we see that so vividly in Daniel. Absolutely. So join us as we continue our walk through Daniel. Um, we should start off again next week, or we should be continuing, I think, chapter two, I think. And uh, read ahead. We may. Yeah, read ahead. We may. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs>